Cambridge 105 Radio. Hello and welcome to this week's From the Pavilion podcast. Thank you very much for downloading as ever. Now, every week I generally say the show is jam-packed or a good one, but literally it was jam-packed today on my countdown clock in front of me, which we have to hit the news at 58.30, 30 seconds and 58 minutes on the hour. It must have been a few seconds to go before we finished the debate with Johnny Atkinson from Cambridge Cricket Club, who was on today's show, as was Nathan Johns as ever. Evening, Nathan. Evening, Ollie. I enjoyed that. I, um, I especially <laughs> enjoyed the... Uh, the long, the longer interview you did. I think that was a really nice addition this week. Yeah, with, with Kelly, Kelly Castle of of the Sunrisers, uh, playing at, at Fenners on on Saturday. It's interesting actually chatting to her about the um, the psychology of, of cricket because she studies sports science at Anglia Ruskin. What we go on to chat about in the interview later on in in the podcast. But um, yeah, chatting to her about how she sort of deals with it, how she handles the pressures I guess of, of batting and, and of course you know what it's like when you put all the hard work in and, and you feel in, in really good touch and you feel great in the nets and then you go out into the middle and you nick off first ball or get a ball that pitches on leg and seems a way to hit top of off how do you how do you handle that do you just say put it in your back pocket forget about it move on or do you analyse it what, what do you do I think it really depends I mean that type of ball you just said there the one that pitches on leg and takes you off peg I think you know fair play <laughs> there's not a lot there's not no point in getting too down about that <laughs> Um, but I think in general, yeah, I always try and figure out, you know, was that the right shot to play? You know, was it the right time to play that shot? Was it a mistake from me or was it just, you know, the right option but poor execution? So, yeah, I think I personally try and run through all that. Um, I think the biggest issue for me, though, is trying to replicate. I think, you know, this isn't, isn't exactly a hot take or anything, but I always find it really difficult to replicate that feeling of just carefree batting in training and going out there and, Going out there and, and playing in the middle. I mean, there's one there's one guy in the uni team, Aaron. He's the guy who got all the runs at Lloyd's last week, and he just seems to no matter where he's where he's batting in, in the middle at Fenners or in the nets, he just seems to just not care and have that not 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 so much not care, but have that relaxed attitude. And that's something I really envy because I just I think when you have that relaxed attitude, that's when you're going to score runs, isn't it? And it'd be really interesting to see how people achieve that. And I suppose that's 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 kind of the psychological aspect, isn't it? Yeah, so because it is a lot harder out in the middle, just is whether it, whatever conditions, whether it be sort of overcast and seeming around everywhere, um, or a real fast bouncy track, and you're getting one up in the grill. Whatever it is, it is harder out in the middle. Are you trying to replicate how difficult that is in the nets? So when you get out into the middle, it's it's sort of similar, or are you in the nets just playing freely, throw downs, you know, outside off stump, half volley, crashing it through the, the cover. So you're feeling you're feeling good about yourself. Are you trying to make nets difficult or are you just trying to make yourself feel confident? That's a really interesting one because I think a lot of people do different ones, don't they? I mean, some people just like to feel confident and they back themselves if they feel confident. Whereas I, I definitely try and replicate match situations as much as possible. So, you know, we're always setting fields and nets and etc. and trying to put yourself under pressure and saying, right, well, did I get off strike there? Did I, you know, how many doubles did I face? That type of thing. But um, I definitely have seen other people just go in and say, right, I just want to get the bat on the ball and hit as many as I possibly can. And it doesn't matter if I get it, if I get a couple cleanly, that gives me enough confidence. Yeah, I was thinking like this the other day and, and I guess it generally depends where you're at in terms of your own confidence as well. If you're feeling confident, then I guess you probably wouldn't change anything. If if you're low, that's when you might need just to start with, just to, to top your confidence up, have a few outside off and crashing through the covers, a few easy drives to then get that confidence to, to go out into the middle and then it's probably about replicating the situations you find yourself in. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's so hardest difficult. Part of it is, the hardest part of it is figuring out when to do what though, I think, yeah. isn't it? Because, you know, you can overthink things. I mean, cricket is it's so easy to overthink things in cricket, isn't it? I think it's, that's, the mark of a, that's the mark of a really good coach, isn't it? To spot, to 
spot when you know when does it when does the guy really need to be challenged and when when do they need to actually write to say you know what you've got complete free license here just smash a few and, and get yourself into some sort of good good form yeah and also i think for for youngsters as well i don't know youngsters but even down at my level at local club cricket grassroots we have a fantastic net facility at Blundersham, and i was chatting to the guys the other day thinking i must have faced probably close to a thousand balls in this net but when you go out and plan a wicket in may early may sort of june time it's nowhere near as true as the the bounce you get in the net so suddenly you're playing on a completely different wicket and the amount of balls i've phased out in the middle is is minuscule compared to the the times you'd you just throw downs in the nets and things it's uh it's such a yeah interesting interesting dilemma and i think that's where sort of facilities of roll on nets and and utilizing wickets throughout the summer so you can actually practice out in the middle is is worthwhile anyway we've rambled on far too long again the people listening will want to get stuck into this week's podcast nathan thanks for coming on mate as ever cheers ollie thanks for having me nathan john's there he and myself are on this week's podcast johnny atkinson joins us later on and to kick off we have the ftp quiz cup we won't spoil who goes through it's bell excellent against histon in the first tie of round one but hopefully you enjoy this week's podcast as ever if you can like comment subscribe all the usual stuff and share on social media too we're at ftp cricket on twitter and facebook from the pavilion on cambridge 105 radio Hello, hello, good evening and welcome along to the local cricket show where we ran up all of the action from around the county in Cambridgeshire right here on Cambridge 105 Radio. This is From the Pavilion. My name is Ollie Slack and on today's show I'll be joined as ever by Nathan Johns and later on by Johnny Atkinson from Cambridge Cricket Club. We'll be kicking off the FTP Quiz Cup with Histon taking on Burwell and Exning in the first tie of round one. We'll also be chatting to Kelly Castle of the Sunrisers. She is finishing off her Masters at Anglia Ruskin and has got a fixture this weekend at Fenners. As ever, we'll round up the local action, the East Anglian Premier League, the Cams and Hunts Premier Leagues, and as well, we'll bring you the latest from Cambridgeshire's men's and women's teams. Mr Johnny Atkinson will also be asking us his big question too and is a biggie this week. It's also on a poll on our Twitter, the pinned tweets. You don't have to scroll down. Make sure to go check it out right now and cast your vote. We're at FTP Cricket 105 on Twitter and Facebook if you want to get in touch throughout the show. If you want to get in touch with the studio, where I am, 07919 070490 is the number to text. You can email studio at cambridge105.co.uk too. Thanks very much for tuning in. And also, if you're listening on the podcast, we're available to download on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and also to listen back to on the Cambridge 105 radio website. So thanks very much for tuning in, however you are. I'm delighted to welcome, as ever, Nathan Johns alongside me. Nathan, evening. Evening, Ollie. How are you doing? I have to say, after the, uh, the fantastic radio that was your quiz draw last week, I'm looking forward to actually getting going with it this week. <laughs> oh, don't. That was, well... I'm not, I'm not even sure if it was good, to be honest, but hey, it was necessary. It was necessary. Hopefully the quiz that follows it will be good. Bo and Exton against Histon up today. We'll chat to the two guys representing them in just a bit. How are you doing, though? How's your, your week been? Yeah, really good. Uh, finally had a really nice weekend, didn't we? Um, so it was lovely to see everyone got out and we didn't have all those rain, rain, rain washouts. And, uh, weather-wise, even, it was all right, yeah. Yeah, weather weather's right. And then even managed to get out myself for a game, which is always always a good, always a good occasion. Ooh, go on, who'd you play for? 
So, uh, oh no, not club cricket, uni cricket. Uh, okay. So it was, uh, we, 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 the, the twos played against East Anglia and that was a pretty big win for us. Oh, good. Any runs amongst the runs at all? Uh, we, we, only, we, were, we were only chasing about 90. I think I hit 20 and then plinked a full toss back to the bowler. So, uh, you know. Was it a good 20 though? It was all right. I think I plinked one over extra cover and then ran a few twos. So could be worse. Cool, but that was tough in the heat, wasn't it? Bring back the rain, <laughs> that's what I was saying. <laughs> no, it is nice actually for once to uh, to be doing the show with the sun flooding through the windows here in our studios on Guarda Street. Um, because yeah, I felt I've said to everyone, I felt like a weatherman over the past weeks complaining um, about the weather, which hasn't hasn't been nice at all. Uh, will you be playing much club cricket at all, Nathan, or just just sticking to uni stuff at the minute? Uh, I'm not quite sure actually. I need to check the uni schedule because uh, if we have if we have some free weekends coming up, which we might do, I might try and get a few games in. Yeah. Yeah, you should go on the AP list for uh, the CCA, Cambridge Cricket Association AP list. You can play for whoever you want then. <laughs> Man, might have to look into that. I think, uh, I think your ability would probably be fine. This is no offence to any of the players on the AP list. I might be wrong. There might be some absolute guns on there. But uh, generally it is for the, I think, it's for the lower realms of, of cricketers in, in the county. And that's nothing against them whatsoever because uh, well, it's fantastic they do it and they want to get out and play cricket. Anyway, should Sounds we crack right. on? Well, sounds about right for me then. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I think it, you, you'd probably be classed as a ringer if you turned up and started whacking the ball around the uh, <laughs> the parks of uh, of Cambridgeshire. Should we get cracking with the quiz then? Let's do it. Let's do it then, because it is time to kickstart the FTP Quiz Cup. As I said last week, we conducted the draw and found out that the first tie was Burnley Cricket Club against Histon. And, uh, and representing both those clubs is James Hickman for Burnlexing and Ed Hyde for Histon. I'm delighted to welcome them both on the show now. Evening, guys. Hi, Ali. Hi, Ali. How are you doing, guys? You all right? Yeah, not bad, yeah. Yeah, all good, thank you. How are you, Ed? Yeah, very good, thanks. Thanks, Ollie. Enjoying the weather. Good, yeah. I hear you've just, just come off the, uh, the tennis courts. Are you at Wimbledon? <laughs> I wish. No, I was just on the uh, on the courts at college. Just had a quick game uh, before jumping on here. Is there any sport you don't play, Ed? Um, golf. I'm horrendous at. Oh, really? um, and and sort of given up years ago. Um, and swimming and things like that. I think being short rules me out of quite a few sports. Hmm. I feel your pain, James. What about you? You're at training, aren't you tonight? Yeah, I am. Uh, loving this weather. It is nice. And how was it on the weekend? Yeah. Oh, it was lovely. Got a bit of a turn back. Yeah, it is. It, is, it was lovely on the weekend, and uh, I think a few yeah. of us got a bit got a bit red and peachy on the weekend. Anyway, let's crack on with the quiz. The format is as follows: You'll both be competing against each other. I will give you six possible answers and a question. The player going first takes a guess. If they're right, they get the point. If they don't, play passes across to your opponent. If they get it wrong, play then returns to your opponent until there is one answer left. So basically, you keep playing until one of you you gets it right. And it's uh, best of five, so first of three points. And to decide who is going first, you will answer a separate question. And I'm looking for the, the closest answer to uh, to this question. So uh, are both of you ready? Yep. To go, yeah. Cool. So, the first question is, how many test wickets have James Anderson and Stuart Broad taken for England combined? Toughie to start, but this is an important one as it decides who gains control. James, let's start with you. What are you going for? How many wickets has um, James Anderson and Stuart Broad taken for England combined? 
1,050. What about you, Ed? What are you going for? Um, I will go... Oh, I'll go 1,200. 1,200? Oh, it is tight, but my very poor maths uh, believe that... Oh, I think Ed's clinched it. So the correct answer, and you can correct me on this, but the correct answer is 1,131. Ed is, what, 69 wickets away? And uh, and James is, what, just 81 away? So very close. Very yeah. close. But the correct answer is 1,131. I'm glad we're off to a good start. But, Ed, you gain control and you will answer the first question. Are you ready? Yeah. Which of these English wicketkeepers has the highest first-class batting average. Is it Joss Butler, Johnny Bairstow, James Bracey, Ben Folkes, Sam Billings or Stephen Davies? Which one are you going for? Oh, um, I'm going to go with uh, Davies. Stephen Davies of Somerset? Yeah. <clears throat> That's wrong. Play passes over to James. James, what are you going for? Uh, ben Folkes. You're going for Ben Folkes. Play <laughs> passes back over to Ed. Get another chance, Ed. <laughs> Bairstow. You're going for Johnny Bairstow. Yeah. That is correct. First point on the board for Ed. I'll run through the answers. Johnny Bairstow with 42.91. That's his first-class average. Uh, next is Stephen Davies with 38.52. So unlucky with your first guess, Ed. Then it is Ben Folkes, 37.97. Then James Bracey, then Sam Billings, and at the bottom of the list was was Joss Butler. So one nil to Ed so far. But uh, the next question is for James, and the question is James: New Zealand last played at Lords during the World Cup final in 2019. Who was run out in the Super Over? So which New Zealand batsman was run out in the Super Over? Was it Martin Guptill, Kane Williamson, Jimmy Neesham? Colin de Grandhomme, Henry Nichols, or Tom Latham? Who are you going for? Martin Guptill. Martin Guptill straight away. And it's a correct answer. So one apiece after the first two questions. Question three for Ed. Who top scored for Lancashire in their innings and 79 run victory over Yorkshire last week? Was it Keaton Jennings, Alex Davies, Luke Wells? Josh Bohannon, Liam Livingston, or Dane Villas? You going for Ed? <laughs> Got no idea. Oh, Ed. Uh, ba- Bohannon. You going for Bohannon? Oh, he's plucked it out of nowhere. <laughs> 127. Sorry, not out. Uh, he was top of the run scoring. Keaton Jennings next, 114. Then Luke Wells was 60. Alex Davies, Dane Villas, and Liam Livingston. So it's two. One to Ed. So, James, you need to get this right. Question four. Who won the inaugural Rachel Hayo Flint Trophy last summer, James? Was it the Southern Vipers, Northern Diamonds, Sunrisers, Central Sparks, Western Storm, or was it the Lightning? What do you reckon? Oh, uh... <laughs> that wasn't a confident side at all. North Bands. Uh... Sorry, I didn't know. I'll run through the answer again. Southern Vipers, Northern Diamonds, Sunrisers, Central Sparks, Western Storm, or the Lightning? I'm going to go Northern Diamonds. Northern Diamonds? 
chance for Ed. What do you reckon, Ed? Uh, seven Vipers. You're going for Seven Vipers? Is that correct? Yeah. It is. <laughs> Ed, you've clinched it. Well done, Ed. Thank you. To be fair, it was a very tough draw, James. Ed is notoriously yeah. known in these parts for his quizzing abilities. How do you feel, James? Um, yeah, I didn't know many of them because oh, this is my first summer in England. Oh, so, that, so the, boys at, the boys at Burl Axing <laughs> have stitched you up, really. That's what you're saying. Yeah, big time. <laughs> well, you've been a fantastic sport, James. Thanks so much for coming on. Really do Thank appreciate you. it. Ed, you're through to the next round. We don't know who yet you're facing, but pleased to be into the quarters. Absolutely. Um, over the moon. Um, I'm looking <laughs> forward to, uh, to whoever I get in the next round. Now, it is up to, well, I guess up to you. It's up to anyone at Histon. But if you want, you can continue and play the quarters or you can let someone else at Histon take up the reins. What do you reckon? Um, I'm going to keep going, I think. Um, <laughs> I would say some that's of the guys, Some of the guys in our changing room, I reckon, um, yeah, they don't like the pressure. Don't they? Um, don't they? No, they don't like the pressure. Um, so I, I'll carry on. Um, yeah. Ed, thanks so much for playing a 3-1 victory. Histon are through to the quarterfinals. I'll speak to you soon. Ed Hyde from Histon there and James Hickman from Berlin and Exning. The first round, first tie of the first round is complete. And Ed Hyde of Histon took it 3-1 against James Hickman of Berlin and Exning. Cool, that was exciting, wasn't it, Nathan? Oh, love it. Love it. Absolutely love a quiz. <laughs> that Can't did go, go thankfully, a lot better than uh, the draw last week. A lot more professional, yeah. I feel, as well. I think we'll, I think we'll let, let you away with the draw after that. That was, that, was quite, that was quite enjoyable. Thanks. Yeah, so Ed takes it 3-1. I did get the scores right. You were keeping track, weren't you? Yeah, 3-1. That's what I had. Phew. Good. My, my maths, I didn't... When I wrote that question at the start of the day, this morning, about James Anderson and Stuart Broad, little did I think, stupidly, that I'd be having to quickly add up on, uh, on live radio... Oh, yeah, oh but... you, did, you did that yourself. You didn't. You didn't have the calculator, right? No, that was all mental. All mental. Oh, well done. I would. I probably wouldn't be able to do that. <laughs> B grade GCSE for you there. What? What a quiz! A eh? very exciting. Anyway, so Ed takes it three one. Histon are through to the quarterfinals after beating Boa and Exning. We'll have another tie next week, and we don't know yet who Histon will face. We'll find out in the draw later on in the summer. Up next, we'll be hearing from Kelly Castle of Sunrisers as they take on the Northern Diamonds at Fenners this weekend. From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio. Just looking at the tweets actually from last week when we put up the round one draw and next week, fingers crossed, will be St Ives Town and Warboys up against March Town in their second tie of uh, the quiz, the FTP Quiz Cup, round one. Ed Hyde through already, Histon through already. Right, let's talk about our women's cricket and at the Sunrisers, of course. Now, this Saturday, Fenners will be hosting the Sunrisers as they take on North Diamonds in the Rachel Hayhoe Flint Trophy. Now, the Sunrisers, pretty much, they pull the best players from the nine different sort of county clubs they represent. So, Cambridgeshire, Huntingdonshire, Hertfordshire, Bedfordshire, Norfolk, Suffolk, Northamptonshire, Essex and Middlesex. And they are one of the eight regional domestic women's teams across the country. This is all part of the, the new setup from the ECB uh, brought in last summer. Now, Kelly Castle, who plays for the Sunrisers, is currently completing her Masters at Anglia Ruskin University in Cambridge, and she caught up with me ahead of this weekend's match earlier on today. 
now that the weather is a lot nicer, it's nice to just go out um, not having to wear as many layers. Um, <laughs> but like, I think the fact that this cricket season, there's so much cricket going on, whereas last year it was cut short, it was half season, no one really knew how much cricket there was going to be played. So to have a full sort of schedule planned out from now up until the end of September, really, it's really exciting that there's so many games getting, getting going. Now you're from Essex originally, but you've been studying in Cambridge at Anglia Ruskin doing sports science, is that right? Yeah, yeah, sports science. Does that help your cricket much? Especially sort of as an all-rounder who's involved in the thick of the action pretty much all the time. I imagine sort of rest and recuperation, managing your own bodies. Is it a course that helps your, your cricket in many ways? Yeah, I think, I'd say, yeah, definitely. It, it makes you think a lot more like on a wider sort of basis rather than just like... In terms of cricket, I think doing any type of qualification that's around sport and when your profession is in sport is quite useful. Um, I've definitely found um, we did a lot of like nutrition modules. I found that really, really helpful because I didn't know anything about it, um, about how to fuel your body properly on recovery days or anything like that. So I found that really useful. We're quite fortunate we did a lot of uh, biomechanics. We've got um, in the labs like a biomechanics all the things where you put the stuff on you and you can sort of see force and ground reaction force on a force plate so I thought that was quite um, useful because a lot of it is applied a lot of the research is done around cricket so I thought that was quite cool to sort of relate that back to cricket. Does it delve much into sort of the mental challenges as well in terms of sports psychology and that side of things or is it more physical? Yeah yeah well we do have a lot of psychology um, modules but so before I went to uni like I always thought I I really enjoyed the psychology sports psychology side of things and that's sort of the area when I finished playing cricket that I want to go into definitely for my last year of my undergrad my main projects my dissertation focused around mental health and uh, what we can do to basically improve that so for me like I very much focused on the mental health and the mentality, especially like in cricket, is 20% physical and 80% mental, which is crazy. Um, but it's so true because it's such a team game, but such an individual game at the same time. So, yeah, I, I definitely tried, if I could link both of those together of cricket and mentality and psychology, then, yeah, it was really useful. I guess so. So when you do all your work in the nets, you practice for hours and hours and hours, and then you go out in the middle and you face a Jaffa and snick off first ball or you bowl an absolute beauty and, and someone plants you over the ropes, those sort of mental challenges in cricket when you've pretty much done all you can and the batsman or the bowler's got the better of you, are you sort of harping back to your your sort of university studies then and thinking, no, I know this, I know how to, to get through this? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, like sports psychology, in especially like in the women's game or anything, or in all sport, is not frowned upon. But I don't think we, only recently we've started to talk about it a lot more the whole mental side of cricket and yeah I've definitely yeah the past couple of years just looking into that linking it with my own research um I've have found myself yeah just looking back and thinking okay like it's gonna be okay it doesn't matter you know so and, and is that sort of how you do with it just sort of say look forget it move on and just focus on the next one or do you deeply analyze yeah I try and stay away from deeply analyzing because I'll just overthink it way too much but yeah like I think like in cricket, we were talking about this the other day and something that we all try and remember is that 
say like if we're if we're bowling or fielding, like batters batters are allowed to play good shots. Like you've bowled your best ball and someone's smashed you for four, but like they're allowed to do that. Like they're allowed to play good shots. And sometimes I think we forget that and then we end up in a bit of a bit of a rut. So yeah, it's just remembering that our best ball could go for four. But at this level, they're gonna be able to do that. And yeah, so I think just remembering that. Now you represented Cambridge MCCU, which is the combined university sides, having been at Anglia Ruskin. How challenging has it been for for you? Because I imagine you've you've represented a lot of teams over your time. Obviously, your Essex skipper and and of course play for the Sunrisers as well. How challenging is it jumping from sort of different environment to different environment every so often? Yeah, I think it was a really good experience being a part of the MCCU stuff. Our sort of MCC like women's team. It was a really good environment because the people I was mixing with were from, from Anglia Ruskin. There was only, I think, a couple of us. So the team was mainly made up of Cambridge Uni students, which was like, it was so nice to be around people who are at Cambridge Uni and studying these incredible things, but then also seeing how they're balancing their cricketing life with someone studying to be a doctor who's in their fifth year of doing all these placements. Um, I know a lot of the time when it came around to the season, it was sort of, there was a lot of people either revising so much for their end of year exams or um, not being able to play because they've got an exam or like, it was, yeah, it was, it's incredible to be around that environment of, in terms of like those types of people. But like the cricket, like my f- first year, just being able to play against like other teams like Loughborough and it, yeah, it was really good. Probably up there with one of my favourite teams to to be a part of because yeah, the cricket was good and the people were even better. So you must have a lot on your plate as well though now because obviously having been awarded a professional contract back in December, there were twenty five pro contracts awarded last June by the ECB, sixteen more in December. One of those was yourself, so you're in that situation now, I guess, where you're balancing not only your studies with your cricket, but just generally, I guess, where you go in the next few years of your career. Yeah, definitely. I think like so. Yeah, last year I, it was sort of a last-minute decision to do my masters because it was very much a COVID decision. Because obviously, if I could, I would have gone away for the winter and played cricket. But yeah, so I sort of I decided to do my masters and then got awarded the full-time contract. So I really committed to doing my masters. But in, in fairness, I actually think like I couldn't have done it a better year because a lot of our training was also based in Cambridge using Fenners. So it was great because it was literally down the road for me. So from that side of things, accessibility was great. But also because we ended up, because of COVID, we ended up only being able to go into uni for like a couple of hours on a specific day. So I knew, okay, like on a Monday from eight till 12, that is my dedicated uni time. And then cricket could fit around that. And like at Sunrisers, they've been really supportive of that. Okay, like if I need to go into uni, then I can do that. And on the flip side, Anglia Ruskin have been really good with that as well. Like, especially now going into the season and being available for like all my lectures at all times, like they're quite flexible and really supportive of me Mm -hmm. being a full-time cricketer. So, How did it feel when you heard the news that you've been awarded a a full-time contract? Because that's presumably what you've worked for your whole life. Yeah, very surprising and shocking, if I'm honest. Um, really? But yeah, I was I was at um, in my house in Cambridge, and I literally just got a random phone call, and they were just like, "Ah, oh, so do you fancy being a full time cricketer?" And I was just like, like literally out of the blue as well, and I was just like laying there, like, 
oh okay like I'm not going to say no to this so yeah like it's yeah probably I like I don't want to say it'd be a bit cliche and say like life-changing but it's something that I've worked for since I was 11 years old when I first got into the game so to be able to be a yeah a full-time a full-time athlete at that is yeah really great why was it surprising Oh, I, I just I just don't think I was expecting it. I think, yeah, like the time of day that it happened when you just get a random phone call and just not expecting it at all. Yeah, definitely. It was, yeah, very surprising. Um, yeah. Let's talk about the Sunrisers then. This season, two games, two losses so far. And unfortunately, you didn't manage to pick up a, a win last season. So I imagine you're longing for that winning feeling when you play at Fenners on Saturday. Yeah, definitely. I think like we've spoken as a team and last year we've sort of put away and put in the past because it was a very, obviously we're a brand new team. And even sort of thinking to this year, we are still a brand new team, whereas other teams like Vipers or Western Storm have been around since the start of when the Kia Super League was starting. So we've only still been a team for not even 12 months yet. So we've sort of got that but also I think even though we lost our two opening games the difference between last year and this year is just incredible like it's like a in terms of actual cricket it's like a brand new team because we are so much better than what what we performed that last year and I think it's just taking about taking out the positives that have come from the two opening games because there was so much good cricket played across the weekend and also like even looking at the whole competition in general there, the, the, there were so many high scores across the whole board and I think that just shows how much women's cricket when we're able to play on these big grounds and at these big on, on decent grounds the scores like there was such there was like 290 I think even like, like our game South East Stars made 320 or whatever so yeah really high scoring who are the stars we should be looking out for then in the match? Definitely in in our team, I think everyone goes on about Grace Scrivens. She's only 17. She has so much knowledge. I mean, she's absolutely like mental as a human being, but just completely like, yeah, just someone to watch either as a batter and with the ball. There's so many individuals in our team. She's the first one that sort of sticks out in my head. But yeah, there's so many individuals in our team that I just think, yeah, hopefully we can all sort of show our potential for the rest of the year. And you've got two England players in your squad as well, Maddie Villiers and Fran Wilson. What's it like learning from them? I imagine obviously very beneficial, but quite strange at the same time. Yeah, so like like Maddie, me and Maddie grew up playing cricket together because obviously she was from Essex. So it's actually really nice to be able to play in a team with her again. Before last year, we didn't know what was happening with county cricket or whether it was still going to stay or whether they were going to get rid of it. So we never knew if we were going to play in a team together again. And uh, I ended up presenting her cap last year to her four sunrises when she came in the team. And I sort of said, it's just nice to to know that at this level, we can play in the same team and be a part of something together. Yeah, we sort of grew up. I think just being very competitive against each other as well. Um, always have it, always netting together or um, anything like that. So, yeah, it's just nice to be a part of a team with her and also to gain the knowledge that she's got from playing at the next level as well. Because, again, she, her and Fran bring so much experience to the team. I think, yeah, Fran definitely from the fielding side and as a batter, her experience is just incredible and the knowledge that she's got so it's just really nice to sort of pick their brains and and learn off of them 
looking forward to being back at Fenners on Saturday. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it'll be it'll be good. Um, I can't wait to play there again. Kelly, thanks so much for your time. All the best for the weekend. Cheers. Thank you. Kelly Castle there of the Sunrisers Essex first team skipper as well. There's also a couple of Cambridgeshire ladies involved in the Sunrisers setup. We'll be chatting to them later on in the summer. But it's the Sunrisers against the North Diamonds at Fenners on Saturday. From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio. Time now to talk Cambridgeshire cricket as the men made it two wins from two in Group 3 of the NCCA 50 over trophy yesterday, defeating Suffolk by 19 runs. Ben Seabrook was the star of the show with an unbeaten 135 off 143 balls. The previous day, they claimed their opening win of the tournament. On Sunday, that was with an 85-run victory over Hertfordshire. Sawston and Babraham's Ben Clover scored 52 off 34 and took four for it as well. I caught up with them earlier today to reflect on their start to the group. Managed to help the boys to win, which is, you know, always a brilliant feeling. Um, but as a team, we played played some really good cricket, so it was really, really good to be involved with that. Just to, you know, give the details there, you scored 52 not out as Cambridgeshire finished up on 275 for six in their first ever 50-over innings this season. And you also took four for 32 as you secured an 85-run victory. Then the next day, on the bank holiday Monday, you had another big win in your second game of the tournament. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's interesting against Suffolk. They had a brilliant, they had a really good team out, um, and again, we performed well as a team. Uh, ben Seabrook scored 135 and out, which um, probably was really the difference between the two teams. Um, they had a couple of guys that got a couple of 50s and 60s, but we managed to break partnerships at key points in the match. Um, and again, I think our fielding display over the, the, those two games has been excellent and has really backed the bowlers up really well. And how is it going into competitive action? Because I'm looking at your fixture list here and you have played some 50-over cricket already this year, but it was all friendly action. Um, so how was it uh, you know, transitioning into the competitive stuff? Yeah, I think it's been nice having... We had the same team out on the Saturday and... Oh, sorry, Sunday and the Monday. Um, so it's been really good to sort of keep a core squad together and I think just playing a few games and getting to know each other at the start of the season has really helped us go into the tournament with some momentum and some sort of cohesion as a team. Yeah, really important stuff, that. And you're in, you're in Group 3 in this tournament. Um, I, your fixture list here in front of me says your next game is against Lincolnshire on Sunday the 27th. What are your aspirations in this group and going forward um, in the 50-over tournament? Well, I mean, obviously we'd love to win it. I think we, if we can get a result against Lynx, then that puts us in a really good position going into our last game against Norfolk. But I think as long as we keep playing the cricket that we're playing at the moment, then we put ourselves in a great chance either way, whatever happens in those two games. That was Sawston and Babram's Ben Clover speaking to me earlier today. Cambridgeshire now sit top of their group, Group 3 that is, and as was said there, their next game is away to Lincolnshire on Sunday the 27th of June. The women were also in action on the bank holiday Monday and were also victorious as they beat Huntingdonshire by 48 runs. They batted first and scored 200 for nine off 45 overs and then bowled out their opposition for 152 in the 40th over. Isabella James was the star of the show, scoring 69 odd out and taking a forfeit. 
Yeah, there's also a big win for Eaton Soken in the Cams and Hunts Premier League this weekend over leaders Histon by five wickets. More on that in just a bit. Elsewhere, the other results. Ramsey defeated Cambridge Twos by 46 runs. Foxton beat Stamford by 122 runs. March inflicted another defeat on Cambridge St Giles by five wickets. And Wisbeach Town beat St Ives Town and Warboys by 16 runs. There are also a couple of fixtures on Bank Holiday Monday. Cambridge Two's got their second win of the season with a 29-run victory over Stamford Town. March then made it three wins from three by defeating Foxton by five wickets, leaving the league table as this. Eaton Soak and Top on 138 points, four points clear of March, who now sits second of Leapfrog Histon who are third of 131. Ramsey make up the top four, the playoff spots of 109. Stamford fifth, Foxton sixth, Cambridge two seventh, and Wisbeach Town eighth. And then the bottom two at the minute, St Ivestown and Warboys and Cambridge St Giles, two of the three promoted sides from 2019. So as I said, the headline from those results really was Eaton Soken's five-wicket win over Histon to move them top of Division 1. Let's hear from skipper Johnny Carpenter, who spoke to me earlier on today. Our aim is to uh, obviously win the league this year. We're not doing a bad job of it so far, but it is a league where anyone can sort of beat anyone. Obviously, you've got Grant at twos, Cambridge twos in it. They're a second team, so you might get a few first-team players coming down need to change change a game or two. So, yeah, but it was a massive win Saturday against them boys at the top. Um, bit of a tricky pitch, to be fair, uh, but we thought we, we got very well up, up top and then a very slow chase, chasing it down, but we got there. So very pleased. We always beat them down here at our place <laughs> and then we always lose to them at their place. And it's been like that for a good three or four seasons, to be fair, but it's always nice to get one over them. So are the ambitions sort of just making sure we get top four or are you actually thinking, you know what, we want to get as high as possible because then I guess you carry some momentum, some form into the playoffs? Yeah, you always want to finish as high as possible but you don't want to peak too early, you don't want to fizzle out towards the end. So if you're going into the, going into the last few games, even some teams might be fifth or sixth for that chance to get fourth, might put a spring in their step. So... Yeah, it's nice to be top, but you definitely don't want to be playing your best cricket in, in May, June. So Johnny Carpenter still hoping his side can uh, well, build on that win on the weekend. He scored 59 not out in the win over Histon on Saturday. In the East Anglian Premier League, all four of our local sides played. Remember, it's Whites and Red Bull now, as opposed to the limited overs, Pink Bull and, uh, and Coloured Kits. And another week and another win for Dawson and Babraham too. This time by five wickets over Bury St Edmunds and Leicestershire's Rishi Patel scoring 59. Burnexing lost by 108 runs against Swordsdon, but Saffron Walden won for the first time in five games in a crushing seven-wicket win over Sudbury. And Ali Hancock six for help bowl the Suffolk side out for just 96 before chasing it down in 22 overs. Skipper Ben Harris was full of praise for his golden arm bowler, but overall was left thinking what might have been had his side demonstrated this ruthless streak earlier on in the campaign. It's quite frustrating, actually. I mean, we've spoken about the, the games against Burwell and Wichingham as kind of the ones that got away being narrow, narrow defeats. I mean, if, we, if we'd added, say, on average, say we got five points in each of those games, you added on another 40 for 220s, we would be right up there. I mean, second or, or third. And I, and I actually feel we probably deserve to be somewhere near there. It's just we haven't been clinical. And plus, we haven't had our full-strength sides. But yeah, hopefully we can... We've got an unchanged 11 against Copdog this Saturday, which is the first time for about three years. 
So looking forward to it, mate. And hopefully the weather's good. They're obviously a very, very good side. But we just need to focus on what we've been doing and what we've done well the last couple of weeks. Come on then, how good a player is Mr Hancock? Six for on the weekend? Yeah, I mean, Ali, he bowled really, really well. His first spell was, he got quite lucky with a couple of short wide ones. Um, but his second spell after tea, after lunch was pretty sensational. It was disappointing that he didn't quite make the 11 for Cambridge here this weekend because I think, off the, especially off the back of that performance, I mean, it would have been thoroughly deserved. But I think he was 12th man. And I'm sure when he gets his opportunity, I'm sure he'll take it. You know, obviously Mark Smith's bowling very well for Storston as well. I was just come, come off the back of a brilliant sixfer. But if, if he can make that into a consistent thing where he's picking up four, five, six for the next couple of weeks, I think it would be very hard for Cow to leave him out. Where does he rank in terms of the best bowlers in the East Anglian Premier League then? Very hard to say best bowlers in the Premier League because, I mean, he's still a young lad. There's a lot of experienced players in that league. But in terms of a left-arm seamer, I mean, there's a couple of other good ones, but he has to be right up there. You know, he's only a young lad, but he's getting quicker every year. He's learning about his game. When it's, you know, a moment in the game where we can kind of put the foot on the throttle and try and, you know, really get it done, he's your man to, to call upon to try and wrap up a game or wrap up a tail. And, you know, he's a serious player. He's a, he's a brilliant asset. We enjoy watching him bowl. Yeah, Ali Hancock in the Cambridgeshire squad on the weekend, but didn't play. Callum Guest, the skipper for the White Bull side. Cambridge couldn't move off the foot of the table in the East Anglian Prem after they drew a cup dock on Old Itswichian, but boy, were they close to opening their account for this season, scoring 252 for eight. They had cup dock 112 for nine, but the host managed to hold on. This leaves Sauce and Abraham top, 32 points clear of uh, second place. Burnlexing are eighth, Walden are ninth, uh, two points behind Burwell and Exing and as I said Cambridge unfortunately still at the bottom of the table with 54 points to their name they trail Horsford in 11th by 6 points appropriately I'm delighted now to introduce Johnny Atkinson from Cambridge Cricket Club onto the show Johnny not the circumstances that I'd like to be welcoming you onto the show but great to have you on as ever how are you mate? Yeah, good. Cheers for the uh, welcome. Nice, <laughs> nice to be, nice to be reminded. Sorry, um, sorry. And uh, no, no, not a problem at all. Yeah, no, I'm fine, thank you. Good. Got to dot the I's and cross the T's. Um, yeah, that's fine. Let's talk about the season, though. How's it? How's it gone so far for you? Um, yeah, well, obviously not not an ideal start. Um, I heard Ben talking about selection, um, and it's it's hampered us a little bit first few games, um, and. Uh, but I do think we've got we've built built up a bit of momentum, um, beating Burwell and then Saffron Ward in the T twenties last week. And then um I mean we came off Saturday feeling a little bit frustrated but actually like really positive with all of like so many aspects of the game and, and literally only um one wicket away from, from winning the game and, and being better than than them in every aspect of the game. But um as you can tell by the score scorecard. So um, yeah, frustrated, but actually nice to come off not uh, losing and um, people scoring runs and people taking wickets. So, yeah, not all bad. Hi, Johnny. Thanks for joining us. On your personal note, I have written down here you've got 259 runs so far at just under 65. So even though yeah. you boys are struggling, on a personal note, you must be seeing the ball pretty well at the minute. Yeah, thanks for that. Thanks for um, adding a positive spin on it. Um, yeah, yeah, no, it's nice. Um, I'm not really sure where it's come from, really. I think... Um, I haven't necessarily um, changed too much. Just tried to just be a bit more positive mentally uh, with my batting and um, 
just try and uh, sort of relax. And, and I used to go into games um, sort of quite nervous and, and sort of looking forward to the weekend and thinking, oh, I must score runs to enjoy it. But actually, I really enjoy playing cricket with this team. I've got some really good friends in the team and um, it just look at sort of trying to enjoy it a bit more and it's, it's sort of uh, reap the rewards a little bit. Um, but like I've played in the team uh, in the league for years and I'd much rather um, the team be winning and me not scoring any runs. But yeah, it's nice to be scoring runs and actually um, sort of prove to myself that I can still score runs in that league. You talk about having mates in the team. What's the morale like in the group with the tough start? Do you know what? Like you'd, you'd never know, really. Like um, we've been in this position before, a few of us, um, and we've always come out the other side doing quite well and finishing quite high in the league. So yeah, it's it's like, first few weeks were frustrating. We were quite close to wins, and again on Saturday we were uh, we were frustrated. But it's it's really not like we, we, we'd like to be winning, but um, we know we know as a club. And as a team, we're not quite in a position to be fighting for necessarily the top spot, um, uh, like Sawston and other teams like that, who are who are doing brilliantly as a club, and, and they've got a really strong first team. Um, so we, I think this is a bit of a transitional season for us. So um, yeah, ideally we're looking to finish mid-table, like top four. There's there's lots of lots of games left, um, but on the sideline in the field, you'd never know that we were that we were near the bottom. Johnny, last season when we spoke, uh, obviously it was a, a different competition. It was the EPL Cup. It was slightly different. Everyone was sort of taking it, I guess, well, you obviously take it seriously, but everyone was approaching it slightly differently. And um, when the sort of form dipped here and there, we were talking about sort of meetings and, and the batting group coming together and netting and sort of taking it back to basics. Have you had sort of similar conversations this year? Because it seems that the, the team has sort of struggled to gain that momentum. Because like I say, the two wins in the, the T20, you'd feel would sort of real spur you on, but it just hasn't quite, hasn't quite happened so far. Yeah. Yeah, um, we, we've talked quite a lot about the batting and one thing we talked a lot about on Saturday was um, the openers, top three, really digging in and actually us not tr like trying our best not to lose early wickets. And like a prime example of this was Dougie Rice, who's normally one of the most fluent um, and natural timers and strikers of the ball that we've seen. At, get, he got two, but he got two off 37 balls, which is really unlike him. But actually he just said to himself, look, I'm just going to bat, I'm trying to... Um, bat time, face some balls and try and at least see off the new ball and, and go from there. Unfortunately, he didn't carry on, but um, DK, our number three, wasn't in until um, the 10th over. I wasn't in until something like the 15th, 16th over, something like that. So it was actually quite nice to that. And to get 250 is a really good score. It wasn't the easiest wicket to bat on, as they showed in the second innings. And then, like, being one wicket away, like, we are definitely going to take lots of positives from from Saturday. So I, I do think the momentum is building yeah. um, from that. So yeah, yeah, it does it does appear that from from the tone of your voice, you seem you seem pretty upbeat and positive about Saturday. And I just hope from from your point of view, you could try and build build some momentum from that, Johnny. We'll, we'll hear more from you in just a bit. We'll talk about England and also get your big question too, because uh, it's uh, well, I was going to say it's close, but it's not at all close on Twitter. Uh, the question you've asked. I won't spoil it. You can reveal it later on. If people want to have their say, they can do. Head to at FTP Cricket 105 on Twitter. You can also get in touch on Facebook too. Same address. Or you can text into the studio 07919 070 490. Cambridge 105 Radio. From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio. 
Welcome back to the local cricket show here on Cambridge 105 Radio. I say local, we're going to talk international cricket now because England take on New Zealand in uh, two test matches. The first one starts tomorrow, which is Wednesday, the 2nd of June, for those listening on the podcast, uh, at Lords. So the first test at Lords, the second test at Edgebaston, which starts on June the 10th, which is a Thursday. Um, Nathan, Johnny, I guess the main talking point, once again, which seems to be been discussing over the last couple of years, really, is the makeup of England's bowling attack and and how much the coaching staff, the players themselves, perhaps the whoever's in charge of selection nowadays, is uh, is thinking about the Ashes and, and sort of casting their mind ahead to the Ashes, or how much are they thinking about winning this game against New Zealand? Just run through the bowlers: Jimmy Anderson, Stuart Broad, Mark Wood, Craig Overton, Ollie Robinson, Ollie Stone, and Jack Leach, the the spinner in the side. Johnny, what's your thoughts on this? How much do you think England should be thinking about the Ashes or should they be purely concentrating on winning this game? Uh, yeah, I, I, I looked at the squad and it's, I do think it's hard because um, I think the, they've got to start planning forward. Over the years, bowlers have had injuries and, and played too much cricket and it has affected their form and fitness and things. So I do like, I do like the idea of changing around, but also... Um, I do also think you've got to try and play your strongest team. So I'm sort of in a quandary as to um, like what is the best option. But I think it's also nice to have a strong squad. So like you'd like to go to Australia knowing that you've got sort of six, seven, eight seamers to choose from that you know have played um, international cricket recently, done mm-hmm. well, and did confidence. So um, I think it's uh, rather than relying, as we have done over the years, on sort of Jimmy and um, Broad in and sort of a couple of others, actually like Joffre might not necessarily be fit. Um, so to have someone like uh, Ollie Stone or um, Ollie Robinson, who's played international cricket before, then um, I do always. I think I'm a bit of I'm a big fan of Ashes cricket, and I feel like that's the pinnacle for in Test cricket. So you, you feel like they're they're sort of looking towards that. But actually, New Zealand are a very good team as well. So you don't want to sort of disregard this, this series too much. But um, the the bolt like Ollie Robinson saw his stats earlier. He's got ridiculous stats in county championships. So he he almost deserves a go, mm. um, even if eventually with a full strength team he's going to be maybe a squad squad player so yeah I think it's a good idea but just like not too much tinkering around um like I, li- I like the idea of like I mean it's it's lengthened Jimmy Anson's career I guess over the last few years um even though he probably wants to play every game so yeah I think it's got I think it's I think it's definitely got its pros Nathan what are your thoughts just quickly on this Oh, I think well, you, you've got to look at who's got to come back in. I mean, you mentioned Joffre there. Obviously, Stokes is still injured. Wokes and Curran are also lurking in the wings. So, I mean, those guys are going to be looking for game time later on during the summer. So, I think you've got to pick whoever you think right now are going to be your frontline bowlers going over to Australia to give them some game time now. Because, like I said, those guys are going to be pushing at the door really hard to come back in later in the summer. Yeah, it's such an interesting debate, isn't it? And and one that deserves more than just two minutes. But it's always the case that when England have been to Australia, and then I remember last time when they lost, everyone sort of said that, oh, we need to almost forget about winning in England and just make sure we've got a, a set of bowlers ready to go in Australia. And the minute the next summer comes around, everyone talks about winning the game in front of you. So it is a, a tricky one. Um, but England have got a, a fantastic array of talent there. Hopefully it's uh, enough to, to reclaim the ashes down under. Johnny... Come on then, give us your big question. We've got, well, about five minutes and not even that to fit it in. <laughs> well, you put me on the spot earlier today and um, <laughs> the first thing that popped into my head, because actually oh, no. I was 
uh, the, the, a couple of the other questions that I thought of had already been discussed. Um, but I just I talked about whether there should be a pay cap um, in sort of maybe the East Anglian Premier League or just club cricket in general because um, it just seems that there's, there's lots of clubs nowadays not even in Premier League cricket, in, t in Whiting's cricket and below, like paying quite a lot of money on players and it just seems to be becoming more and more a divide between the sort of wealthy clubs. I know it happens in professional sports but it's, uh, it's amateur sport and I guess I, just, I was just interested to see what people thought about it really. Well, the vote is conclusive, as I said. 100% so far have voted yes. Um, yes. What, what do you think, Nathan? What are the potential ne negative impacts of the amount of money that appears to be in the local game at the minute? Well, you, you spoke about that divide there, didn't you? It's the type of thing where the clubs who've got the big sponsors and big backers are going to say, no, let us do it, whereas the rest of them are going to say, no, you know, it's not fair. And I think it's, it's, it's a key point, isn't it? This isn't a professional game. You know, it's, it's hard to get revenues in, so... I'd, I think it's a good idea to try and try and limit that divide as much as possible. Yeah, Johnny, I, I guess I, I should, we should make it clear, obviously, that you're not saying this now just because <laughs> just because Cambridge are, are bottom of the table and, and it appears that obviously results recently haven't haven't gone your way. It, this is a thing that's been happening for for years and years, isn't it? Paying and and I guess if you get more obviously pay players and and there becomes that greater divide, it could mean that a few players you know, potentially don't want to play anymore. They get turned away. They get fed up with the game. Yeah, look, look, I'm not. Let's use Sawston for example. I, I know, no, I'm, I'm really good friends with Dan, and I think what he's doing with the club is great. Uh, but I'll use them as an example as a club that pays players. But also Frinton, for example, um, a couple of years ago won the Premier League, and they'd have spent a hell of a lot of money on players that got a couple of overseas and lots of local players. And they won the league, and then the next year they had a completely different team. And we, uh, in the national knockout on Sunday, we played Frinton, and they could only field ten players um, because they had um, two overseas players, and you're only allowed one overseas player to play. And their team was made up of sort of uh, quite a few youngsters that um, sort of looked like sort of third teamers, I guess. Um, and this, it just seemed like for that. For them, as an example, there was no longevity in paying sort of big money because there's, it's just no, it's no consistency. And that's, that's not me being bitter against clubs paying lots of money. I just think it's quite, I think it's quite hard and, and for the development of the club. Um, it, and like looking at the CAMS team, for example, like nothing against, again, nothing against the CAMS team, but they're bringing, they're bringing in play, a lot of players that aren't local um, and it just seems like it's almost hindering the youth coming up and um, the sort of progression through the club of people doing well in the seconds and thirds and stuff and, and coming through. Um, that, that's only my opinion. I'm not saying it's right, but um, that's just my initial thoughts on it. And I guess the, the difficulty, is, as, as you say, is that there are benefits to, to this as well. We're bringing overseas and, and top-level players in that it filters down. And, and if they... You know, pay back to the club in a way of coaching and, and really help those those younger players and those juniors at the clubs and they get the, the time they need with those youngsters, then it could be some beneficial to those kids in Absolutely. years to come. Yeah, um, yeah, so like, there's the, there's the, the two sides of, of yeah. the argument. Um, and it is an argument, yeah. Johnny, that, that deserves so much longer than just two minutes, but unfortunately we've only got a minute left. Johnny, thanks very much for, for coming on this evening. Short but sweet. Yeah, like, like my batting over the last few years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Johnny. Thanks Not for coming season. on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nathan, thanks as ever. Cheers, Ollie. 
From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio. Following Tuesday night's programme, we received a statement from Frinton on Sea off the back of Johnny's comments, and they said they were surprised and saddened to hear what Johnny had to say. Their statement read, We played a tight game against Cambridge on Sunday, which we narrowly lost by one wicket. Frinton blooded three of our youngsters who enjoyed playing in such a close match. We narrowly lost but enjoyed a tight match, played in great spirit. We have a good relationship with Cambridge, who assure us that the comments made do not reflect the views of their club. We will leave the matter in their hands and concentrate on getting the sport we all love back on. Keep up the good work. It's great to hear cricket on the radio. We have since spoken to Johnny about this and he regrets one of the comments he made. Therefore, we have decided to remove it from this week's podcast. That's all we've got time for on this week's podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in, downloading. If you wouldn't mind, we'd very much appreciate it if you would like, comment, subscribe, follow all the usual stuff on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You can also share the links on social media. Let us know what you think at FTP Cricket 105 on Twitter and Facebook. The Cricket Show will be back next Tuesday at 6 o'clock here on Cambridge 105 Radio, your home of cricket in Cambridgeshire, keeping you across the local action all the way through the summer until the end of September. Thanks very much for tuning in once again and make sure to do so next week. A very good rest of the week. Stay safe. Bye-bye. Cambridge 105